Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. Coming up. God loved you first. Before you had your fancy job, before you had your fancy car, before you married Mr. Wright, Mrs. Wright, before you improved yourself, before your parents, your family, your boss, your this, your dad, and all of it, he just loved you. My boy, it's my girl. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. The title of my sermon today is He Knew It. He Knew It. <laughs> what I want to talk about is, um, is this question that I have as I read about Christ and his lifetime and what he did. Um, it, my question is, is how did he stay on topic? How did he stay on track for the goal that God had put before him? I mean, he, he said whenever anyone would ask him, he'd say, I, I, must, I must be about my father's business or I must, be, I must be doing what the father is calling me into. And he had a very clear goal. He had a very clear uh, sort of purpose in what his life was about. But in light of the trials that he went through, um, all the way up to, if you're familiar with the life of Christ, it was not an easy life. He, he, never, he never really had a home while he was in ministry. He traveled from place to place. And someone asked him, well, where's your home? And he's like, well, I, you know, foxes have holes and, and uh, I can't remember the rest of that scripture. Uh, but, but he's like, I don't have a home. He's like, I'm just going from place to place right now. How did he do that? How did he stay on track? He had a lot of opposition. He had enemies. In fact, he had one particular enemy called Satan, right? The devil who appeared to him, which we're going to talk about this scripture, and, and put him through this incredible trial. How did Jesus stay on track? I mean, because it's one thing to write your goals. It's like, okay, I'm going to fast and pray, and then I'm going to write down my goals. Well, well, let me tell you something. Jesus began to think about his ministry. He got baptized, okay? He got baptized, and then he fasted for 40 days. Anyone fasted here for 40 days? Don't put up your hand if you haven't. Don't want, to, don't want your blessing to be stolen by you bragging, because then you'll get your, your reward in full by bragging. But, but 40 days is a long time, right? 40 days is a long time. You'd think, oh, he would, he would, he would, he would be like in, in, in second heaven like, or third heaven. He'd be, the angels have appeared to him. You know who appeared to him after 40 days of fasting? Satan. It's like, what the heck, man? How did Jesus stay on track? How did he do it? What did he know? What did he know? Because I don't think knowing your goals and where you want to go to your life you know I don't think that's enough because there are things there are trials there are difficulties there are moments where you're like I don't know if this is going to work out even Jesus when he's on the cross at the end of his life he's like God where are you you've forsaken me it got tough how did Jesus do it what did he know I mean he achieved one of the most amazing things ever achieved in life he achieved eternal life for you and I. Have you met anyone yet in your lifetime who has achieved that for you? Funny question, but think about what Jesus did. He came and set out so that we could have life in heaven with him. 
He came so that he could take us home to, to, the, to, the, to the home that is created for us by the Father and be redeemed and be reunited back to God. That's why he came and he achieved it. He achieved it. What are you trying to achieve in your what are you trying to get in your life? What is it? Is it is it big? I don't know that it is as big as this. And because he was trying to bring such significant change, he came across significant resistance. You know, if you get a goal, if you get something that you want to move towards, I'm telling you something, there will be change that is attached to that. It'll be change for you, there'll be change for other people, and you're gonna, yeah, there'll be change even if it's something that, that you feel God is calling in, you into. The, the devil himself will be like, I don't want that change to happen. I don't want you to get breakthrough over your family. I don't want those family curses to be broken. I don't want those sorts of things to come off you in, anymore. I'm going to resist you right here. And he'll appear before you. Not, maybe not physically like Jesus, but he will appear in, in certain ways, in certain forms. Christ, he had significant resistance. He had an, uh, he, he had an, an enemy that appeared that was powerful and organized. You know, for Christ to bring about the change that he brought about, he was willing to give up his life for, and he did. In the end, it cost him his life. But he rose again. And in succeeding, in, in, in doing that, in rising again, he succeeded in what he was born to do. And then he, and then he, and when you read the Bible, it's crazy. It begins when you begin to read the life of Jesus, and when you begin to see what Jesus is calling us into, what he says to his disciples, which are those who follow. He's like, I, I, I went to the cross and I died and I rose again, and he's like, I want you to follow me into that. So basically, what he's saying is, I want you to follow me into what I'm calling you to, but along the way, the trials that happen, I'm going to take you through it, and there will be death, there will be moments where you may not physically die, but there will be things that die along the way inside of you, and he's like, I'm calling you into that, but as I rose again, I'm going to rise again in you, and you're going to have new life in me. He asks us to follow. But here's attention, when we begin to follow Christ, when we begin to follow him into the things that he's called us into, we face the same enemy that Jesus himself faced. We do. We will face significant spiritual resistance that will manifest in the physical. And then if we don't know who we are and what we are and we're going to begin to ask questions like, well, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? What do I need to do in order to change my circumstances? Is God happy with me? Is he angry with me? Have I offended God somehow? Do I deserve this? Is this something that was done generations ago that now I am paying for? What is going on? What I want to talk about today is how Christ did it and what he knew. What did Jesus know that enabled him to achieve his purpose with such precision? You know, I know in my own life, I got many, many stories about this, but one particular story that I have that sort of came to mind as I was, as I was praying and preparing this sermon is, is when... 
And the point of me telling this story is, is when you begin to follow God into the things that, that he has for you, you will come under attack. There will be difficulties. There won't, it won't be easy. But I remember uh, when I moved here, I, we'd moved here. We'd just, I hadn't even started the church yet. I had started um, like meeting together with some people uh, in my home. That was all. We had this home in Calabra that, and, and we were getting everyone together and we were saying, uh, were you there for that at that point? No, you weren't there. Uh, who was there for that? Who's here? Uh, shaker shaker came for some of those yeah but i began to i began to say hey we're going to start this church we're going to launch on this date and uh, it's going to be fantastic and um and there was one particular lady that started to come along whom a pastor from another church had sent now this pastor was just trying to help us out but he was kind of on his way out from this church he was he was retiring and another pastor was coming on board the second pastor got wind that this lady was coming to our meetings we hadn't even started we had like 10 people and i was so excited that god was going i had this vision that i could see what god was going to take us into i I knew that this was going to be something fabulous for for bombay and that we were going to see people saved and we're going to see a church built and see what we have now i knew that this would happen and i was so excited i had so much vision but this second pastor for whatever reason got really upset that this lady was coming to my little group and uh, he called me, he said, hey, we need to talk. And I said, oh, okay. And I, I, I really actually looked up to this guy. I, I still do. He's, he's a good man, great man. And I, I, he, he said, I want to get on Skype right now. He lives in Bombay. I'm like, well, why don't, why don't, we, why don't we meet together? He's like, no, we must meet on Skype right now. I was like, oh, oh okay. He's older than me. I, I was like, okay, we'll, we'll meet on Skype. Well, this guy, man, he just got stuck into me. <laughs> like, he attacked me. It's like, there are churches right now that are very threatened by you coming here. They're all worried that you're going to steal his, their people. They're all... And, and, and he just banged, just one thing after the next, just attacked me. I, I, it's just like... My, 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 my vision, I wasn't expecting it because it was from a person that I looked up to and uh, I was hoping for help from more than anything. I was just hoping that I was looking forward to doing things together with him. And, and I, I, you know what, I, I was at that point in time, what I really struggled with was like, you know what, you know what, these other pastors, these other things going on in the cities, screw them. That's what, this is my heart. Okay? I'm just being, I'm being completely honest with you. Because I have, this, I have this personality, I'm an introvert, so when I get rejected, I just, I just retreat. I just go into my little corner, I disappear into a black thing, and it comes, I'm not here. I'm just not there anymore. I'm not in your world anymore. And that's what I wanted to do. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start this church, forget all the other pastors, forget everything else, I'm just gonna be, and I'll show them. I'll show this guy who I am. How dare he... <laughs> but we talked about this last week, right? When the seed is corrupt, then the tree is going to be corrupt, right? It was a corrupt seed. But this is how the enemy had worked. Am I saying that the, the enemy was like possessed that guy? Well, no, I'm not saying that. But he is at work in very crafty 
and he ordains things that happen to us to get us offside. See, if I, had, if I hadn't have had God with me at that point in time and I started with that in my heart, and I, I'm telling you, it took me about six to eight months to process that. It really hurt me. Where I, I, I really struggled and I, I still repent uh, before the Lord as a broken man, sort of just like for the feelings I feel sometimes when I think about it. Because I just want to show them. I do. I have that in me. I'll, I'll be honest. Now, I'm not being broken to you before you so that you could say, aha, see, I knew it about that guy. I'm, 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 I'm pastoring you. I'm showing you what it is to be a Christian. And to be a Christian is to show weakness. Because it's okay to show weakness because we have wholeness in Christ, not, not wholeness in ourselves, right? Yeah. That's, why I'm t- I'm, that's why I'm being broken with you. Okay? <laughs> This trial came from a totally unexpected place for me and got me right square in my heart. It just was like an arrow. It got me. You know what Jesus went through was way, way worse. Way worse. He came to rescue his chosen people. His chosen people were the Israelites. And they were the ones that rejected him and put him on a cross. The very people he came for didn't even want him. They didn't even recognize that this was their savior. So they hung him on a cross. What he went through was way worse. How did he stay on course? How did Jesus do it? I want to show you something that will show us how he did it. Let's read this from the Bible. It's, a, it's about this story I was telling you about how Jesus goes and fasts and prays. And, and, um, but, but what happens before that is really important to notice. That, uh, it's uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to f- or 13. We're going to write, 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 read from 13 right through from uh, 13 to f- chapter 4, verse 11. It says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized and he went up out of the water, at the moment heaven was open. At that moment heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry the tempter came to him and said if you are the son of God tell these stones to come to turn into bread Jesus answered it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple if you are the son of God he said throw yourself down for it is written he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not be so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of all the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you. It's interesting to note here that the, that, that the devil was like offering Jesus the world. 
I, this is just a side point. Who reigns this current world order that we, that we, that we are in? Okay, who is in charge of it? Who has the, you know, Satan actually has the ability. He had the ability to give all the kingdoms of the world to Jesus. Did you know that? He's powerful. This is not it's just some sort of little sort of token cartoony figure that we sort of with the horns and the, and the thing. This is, this, is, this, is a, this is a leader whom God had created who has fallen, who was actually a ruler, who was one of God's, one of God's rulers, who had fallen. And he, here he is offering Jesus the kingdoms of the world. How many people do you know who have sold all of their everything in order to follow the order of this world? And they get the splendor, they get the kingdoms. But not the calling that God has for them. He took them to this high mountain. And he says, all this I will give to you. If you bow down and worship me, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. How did Jesus resist the enemy with such force? How was he able to do it? Yes, he did quote scripture to the enemy. That is part of it. But what was behind that? I want to I give you a saying that I'm going to explain that's going to help you with this. Your source will determine your course, or your source determines your course. Here's the thing that Christ knew. He knew who he was. How did he know who he was? Well, his source was the fact that he knew he was a son. I, want to, I just want to show you in Matthew 3.17, again, you've already read this, but I'm going to show you something. It says here, and a voice from heaven said, this is not the scripture. <laughs> 3.17. Okay, I shouldn't look up there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're doing a good job, Parry. <laughs> Matthew 3.17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased noticed about this scripture I want to ask you a question had Jesus done anything what, 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 what had Jesus done your source determines the course it's not there did, did you that's good okay it's Matthew 3 17 <sighs> yes because I just love having it there this is my son whom I love and I am well pleased if you know the story of Christ, had he done anything? Like in, in, in one of the other um, uh, Gospels, uh, before, he, uh, not, uh, before he was baptized or before he started his ministry, he did, he did turn water into wine. But that was like, if you had have asked Jesus about that, he would have been very sort of quiet about it. It's like, uh, we were at this wedding. Jesus was there and uh, this water turned into wine. Was it, we're not sure how it, do you know how it happened, Jesus? Jesus would be like, hmm. Because he didn't want, he, that was before his time. He hadn't done anything. He hadn't even started a ministry. He hadn't healed anyone. He, all they knew of Jesus at this point in time was he was a carpenter's son. He's just a carpenter's son. You know, the carpenters, they come to your house, right? And they, they're simple guys. Carpenter. He's a carpenter's son. He hadn't done anything. He's nobody. 
You know, he wasn't even born into a, like a family that was like any sort, of, any, any sort of special family. He was born in this country town, like in the backwood. Like there was, there was like the road that you would go on was going to another place. You had to go off. You know, sometimes you go to a village and it's like you're on a highway. You come off the highway to a really bad road and then you come off that really bad road to an even worse road. And then you come off that road to this sort of like this little trail through like a bush. Like that was Bethlehem. It was like nowhere. Who is this guy? He hadn't done anything. He wasn't worth anything. Yet here comes God, the Father from heaven, in charge of everything and says, Here is my son, whom I am well pleased. Yet he hadn't done anything. See, the source of Jesus' focus that kept him on course was this. And there's a slide for this. Jesus knew who he was because he knew whose he was. Jesus knew who he was because he knew whose he was. I don't know if that's good diction. There are people in this room that I could get some advice from. But that's my slide. Jesus knew who he was because he knew he knew that should be new. Because he know. It's a bit gangster. Because he know <laughs> whose he was. Yo, Jesus knew who he was because he know whose he was. <laughs> Peritas like glowing red. Turn off the lights. We've got a light over there. <laughs> Jesus hadn't done anything public to prove his value. Did you hear what I said? Jesus hadn't done anything public to prove his value. He hadn't proved who he was. And yet here is God saying, this is my son whom I am well pleased. This was not based on his performance. It was simply based on who he was. And who was he? He's a child of a loving father. You know, my children, I love them, but when they were born, they were practically useless. They sit there on the bed. They're useless. You can't do anything with them. You can't make them work. They're entertaining for about two minutes and then you've got to change their nappy. And, and, and it's like, you're like, I'm a parent now and now you've got all these responsibilities. It's, it's, it's not easy having children. You know, even Willow right now is like, she can't look after herself. She's as sick as anything and she can't look after herself. It's like stuff coming out everywhere. It's like, who's got to deal with that? Mainly Rachel and me. <laughs> I help where I can, but I, you know, I, I, I have to come here. And Rachel has, you need to give her flowers. I need to give her flowers. She's been amazing as a mother. But I don't love my children because of what they do for me. What kind of father would do that? I love my children because they're mine. I look after Willow because she's mine. I look after Elijah because he's mine. And it's the same love that God the Father, the Creator, has for you. It's the same love that Jesus had for His Son, Jesus, when Jesus came and He was baptized. Yeah, you can clap. You make too much about your performance. You're waiting for the applause. When you haven't already heard, the heavens are applauding you. 
Before you can do anything. Oh, look, God, I've got a good job over here. Oh, look, everyone, I'm, I've got status. Oh, look, I've got this. I, I know this person. I can do this. <laughs> Who cares? When you've, when you've forgotten, you've forgotten that before you did a thing, He loved you. And that is what means everything. There's too many people trying to get attention, God's attention. Too many people, they feel like they're useless. Too many people who are, who are constantly trying to prove their value before man. Always, always, I can do this, I can do that. They, they feel they need to prove their value. They're waiting for that break when everybody can see what they are, the talent. and They're waiting for that moment. You know, the thing with social media that I disagree with, that I do not like, I don't mind social media, but it gives you this, it gives you this, it feeds on something in all of us to be seen. We just want to be seen in the right light and we look for likes. Has somebody liked me? Someone liked me? Oh my gosh, I got no likes, only four likes. Oh dear me, I've got to get my likes, I've got to get my likes, I've got to get my likes up. And we'll do all sorts of things. We'll spend more time than we like to admit on these things, trying to get it up. But I'm telling you something. There is a God who loves you. Because you're His kid. This is what Christ knew. This is what Christ knew. You need to hear this. God loved you first. Before you had your fancy job, before you had your fancy car, before you married Mr. Wright, Mrs. Wright, before you improved yourself, before your parents, your family, your boss, your this, your that, and all of it, he just loved you when you were useless. He said, there's my kid. It's my boy. It's my girl. She's cute. Everyone else is looking at her. She looks like an alien. <laughs> looks strange to me. I've seen better looking kids. No, no. He's, he's, look, at, look at his nose. Look at his eyes. You know, you, you, you come across parents that just go on too much about their kids. like, okay, we need to be quiet now. We know they're cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how God is about you. He's besotted by you. He loves you so much. Let me talk about orphans. See, see, we have this thing. We go into life like orphans. Let me tell you something about an orphan. And, and if you're an orphan here, you can, you, can, you can probably tell me better. If you have been an orphan in, in this room, I don't know. But an orphan, see, an orphan has to fight to survive. An orphan fights like they've got nothing else because they ain't got nothing else. They've got no other resources. They've got no other backing. An orphan has to fight for its own resources. An orphan has no access of the wisdom and foresight of their parents. You know, as a dad, I, I tell my kids stuff. Don't walk and put your finger in that socket because you'll get hurt. Don't jump off the bed onto the couch because in between you might fall and bump your head. This is wisdom. I'm very wise with my children. I'm a good dad. But... 
An orphan doesn't get that. An orphan has to fight opposition and enemies alone. An orphan has no one to care for them. Orphans, they fall into the category of just survival of the fittest. Of the fittest. fittest. Can't say the word, fittest. If, 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 if an orphan gets sick, they ain't got no one to look after them. If they get a disease, they're, they're, that might be it for them. There's no one to come pick them up. With orphans, it's more about luck. Oh, you know, you might just get lucky. With, with an orphan, you know, they know poverty because as a child, when they're useless and they can't do anything, well, ain't nobody going to give them money because they can't do any job to get it. Orphans have no one to tell them they're special. Orphans have no one to encourage them. They have no idea of unconditional love. And they'll always carry that internal question in their souls, like, why was I rejected? Why did my mummy give me up? And that seed of rejection, well, well, I mean, that can drive them to do anything for the need of approval. They don't have any influence. They don't have any family rights. But you know what? I tell you something. I'm, I'm here to tell you something. I know people, Christians, good Christian people, whose mentality is more like an orphan than that of a child of God because they are just doing anything for approval. Because that seed of rejection is in them. Because you know why? Because they do not know that God is their father and he loved them first. Before they could do anything, he has set them up with resources. He set them up with an inheritance. He set them up with all they need to survive. He set them up. He heals us of our afflictions and our sickness. He takes us through. He, he provides for us. He puts people into our lives. But we go into this, this life like orphans. Like we haven't got resources. Like we have been rejected. Like we do have to fight like crazy for whatever we get in life. We, we, we go in. We have more like this fighting mentality. And you wonder why there's no peace. You know, if people just knew whose they were, there would be peace. I think of all the office politics that you have to work amongst. If people just knew that they were accepted already, what fights would they give up? You could, you could, I can guarantee you most of the fights are based on, not on the money, because the, the money is just validating something in them. The money is just, a, is, is, just, is just about them saying, look, I've got money, look how good I am, look at what I'm, look at what I'm worth. Look how much value I have, because I ain't got any other value than without this. See, Christ was stripped naked of all his influence, of all his power, of whatever money he had. Even his own robe, while he was hanging on a cross, was being gambled for by the Roman centurions who put him up there. They're like, we like that robe, we want it, we're going to gamble for it. He lost everything. And yet, and yet, he stayed on task because he knew who he's, he knew whose he was and that was a son of a father who just loves him Christ faced the worst of this enemy he faced Satan he faced trials knowing 
who he was. If he had been out to prove himself, if he had been out to prove his worth, I don't think Jesus would have ever achieved his purpose. I don't think he would have done it. I don't think it would be possible. You know, in the scripture where it says that first he was baptized and then the, the Spirit of God came and said, this is my son, there's a reason why it's in this order. He was able to go out into the desert and face the enemy. I mean, that was just the beginning of his problems, facing the enemy. But he was a, he was a and there's a slide for this, he was first a son. He was first a daughter for the girls. In your life, as you go with this, or if you don't fill out this, it's okay. But, you know, if you, if you go in for your goals, please, for your own sake, don't head into these, writing these, trying to prove who you are. Please. You won't make it. It won't be a good end for you. It'll be sad. It'll be depressing. It'll be yucky. Because that's not what your life is about. Your life is about experiencing the love of a father called God, who sent his son to rescue you from the trick of the enemy, to set you up into a place where you're trying to prove yourself. He's always got that carrot. Okay, you've made it there. Okay, the next thing, the next house, the next car, the next promotion, the next deal, the next thing. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Oh, look, he's rejecting you. Oh, look what they're saying about you. Oh, look what's going on over there. Look, oh, you know, man, no, they're never going to stop talking about you. Oh, we better do something about that. All of these things, it's always going to be there for you. If you don't know who you are, that you're, that you're, that you're, Provedness, your, what your worth is in Him. If you don't know that, you're going to eternally be fighting for something you're never going to get. This, you have to know who you are. And that is a son. That is a daughter. That even if you don't get what you put down, even if you end up on a cross naked, I hope that doesn't happen to any of you, that you know who you are and you go into that trial knowing who you are. And that is a loved child of God who has a God who loves them so much. You're a son first. You're a daughter first before anything. And then your performance, that's, come, that's secondary. But how much in our lives do we put performance first? We come to a group like this and go, oh gosh, I better look right in front of everyone, you know. Oh, the pastor's been all broken. No, I'll never be broken because I, I you know, what will they think of me? Performance comes second. And this births in us a, 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 a humility that you can't fake. This births in us a, a, all of the pride and all of the stuff that we struggle with. You know, pride is just a byproduct of rejection. That's all it is. It's just a byproduct of rejection. It's just a byproduct of a person who doesn't know who they are. Son of God. You know, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14, says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
For he chose us in him before the creation of this world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with this, with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Do we deserve God to forgive our sins? I don't deserve it, but he did it. And that forgiveness is there for us, ready. It's just there, ready for those who would believe that it would be that easy. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. All wisdom and understanding. Anybody want wisdom and understanding? It's, it's there for you. You won't be able to perform yourself into the wisdom that God has for you. You won't be able to read the books. You can read all, you can read a thousand books. Yesterday I was in a conference, this guy's written 62 books. 62 books? And someone said to me, I can't remember, it was just like, I don't even know if I've read 62 books. It's a lot of books. You could write all these books, you could read all of those books. You won't get the wisdom God has got for you by trying to perform to get it. You won't get it. It is a download. He has it there ready for you through the, through, through the gift of the Holy Spirit. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Did you hear that? He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, just because he wanted to as a father, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and under earth and, and on earth and under Christ. Sorry, and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen. Having been predestined, before you did anything, there is a destiny, a call, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Your source will determine your course. The source, the foundation of who Christ was, was the fact that he was a son with a loving father. Our source needs to be the fact that we were accepted before we performed. We were accepted before we even did anything. I want you to ask yourself, this is an application question, are the goals that I'm setting, are the things that I'm believing for, are they for your approval? Are they for your own self-value? Will you put things on here? This year I want to get married. Because then I'll know. Then I'll know that someone actually loves me. This year my increment will be this much. Because then I'll know. I'll know that that's actually what I'm worth. 
your goals, if they're there for that, you're setting up yourself with a ball and chain that you'll never ever be released from. Set goals knowing that there is a good father who wants to give, give good gifts to his children. And you can ask him anything, anything. You can talk to him about anything. You can thank him for, for stuff that he is going to do he hasn't done yet. You can talk to him like you would talk to the way, you know, you, if you've, you're close to your dad, you can talk to him like that. You can talk to him the, wish you, the way you wish you could talk with your dad, you know. <laughs> and here's the indicating question that kind of will show you that these goals that you write are trying to approve, you know, you're trying to get approval or you're trying to get self-value out of them is, is, is the question to ask as you write them is just ask yourself, what happens if these don't happen? What happens if these don't happen? If these goals, if these goals that I write out, what happens if I don't get them? What, what, how do I feel? How will I feel? And if, it's a, if, it, if you begin to, to feel that, that pinch of depression, you need to begin to assess that and say, okay, where is that coming from? What is the underlying thing there? What is it that is causing that kind of depression? And you'll find that it'll be something in rejection. There'll be something, there's proof, proof. there'll be some sort of approval. There'll be some sort of self-worth thing that you need to go to the Lord and say, God, I come to you with this. I think that I am going about this goal, this thing that I'm trying to achieve for my own approval and I repent. I'm sorry. And, and Jesus, I just pray that you would help me to, to, to know how much you love me. Jesus, I pray that you would help me to understand the depths. You know, it's hard to even understand this kind of love. It's not something that God can just download on the spot. He, he, he kind of gradually does it because I, I think it would just mess us up too much if we, we, we understood overnight how much he loves us. But he, he takes us through this process and journey where he starts to take off the stuff that we're doing, that we've done for, for approval and for other things. And he begins to put his love on us, he just puts it on us, just keeps on putting it, and, and it's there for you. Because the fact is, even in the Bible, even in the Bible, there are people that believe for things and it never happened in their lifetime. Hebrews talks about it. Where it, There's this amazing scripture, uh, I think it's Hebrews 11, where it talks about faith, you know, and it says it lists all the heroes of the Bible. And, but then it, it, it ends with this really funny conclusion. You're like getting your faith built up. You're like, Abraham, believe for this. And David, believe for this. And Joseph, believe for this. All these heroes of the Bible that you know, you'll get to know as you, if, you're, if you're new around here. All these guys did this. And then, and then the writer just says, not all of them got what they wanted. They actually died. It's like, what? Oh. I do. And, and I've heard this, this scripture preached as like, you can get whatever you want. Hebrews says it you just have faith it's like hold on a second these guys didn't get all what they wanted what they felt they were born for it says that they was they saw it from a distance as old men they saw it from a distance they couldn't touch it moses didn't get what he wanted he walked around the desert for 40 years 40 years didn't get what he wanted he all he wanted to do was take his people into the promised land he didn't get to do it but you know what? When we know whose we are, it's okay. 
it's okay. Because we're no longer trying to prove ourselves anymore. We can submit to him and say, you know, God, wherever you take me, I'm going to go. Wherever you take me, I'm going to go. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai.